This is episode 123 with my gorgeous fiance, Marie Olsen. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on Your Impactful Journey. I'm stoked to finally get my gorgeous fiance Marie onto the podcast. I've been trying for over a year now, just giving a little nudge here and there and encouragement towards it because I believe, and I know I could be a little bit biased here, but I believe that you guys will gain value from Marie's life experiences and her knowledge on coaching and mental strength training, for example. And I know that some of you definitely agree with this because when I asked in the private Facebook group, which people would you like to see come onto the podcast, a few of you actually said, what about Marie? Bring Marie on. We'd love to hear from Marie. (laughs) And we've had people say it to us in person. So who is Marie Olsen? Not only is Marie Olsen Sweden's greatest creation, she's also a former professional race walker and was Sweden's national champion for the women's 20k race walk. She's one of the founding directors of Mudlife OCR, which is an awesome competitive obstacle course race company in Sweden, which is now branched into physical and mental training camps, kind of like retreat style. Marie is a qualified personal trainer and mental strength training coach, working with passionate individuals and groups to enhance and optimize their physical and mental health. And she's the creator of the life training branch of our company. Now, most of you would know who are long-time listeners that Marie obviously comes from Sweden. So English is her second language. I never truly understood her pain points of English being her second language in our early days living together in Australia because she could communicate really well. She you know, speaks English unbelievably well. I'd never really understood her pain points though until she said to me one day in an upset way, I just can't express myself properly in English. I always want to engage more in conversations and elaborate more, but I just can't put the right words to, the, to my feelings and to fully express myself to people. And that's when I realized, huh, shit, how difficult. And I thought, of course, babe, you can communicate clearly, but damn, Of course, that would be mentally and emotionally draining when you can't express your truest self to people all the time. And now I know that feeling intimately, actually, because when we lived in Sweden for six months in 2017, and every time I'm in Sweden, I speak the Swedish sentences and words that I know, but then to fully express myself as I'm used to, like an emotive kind of communicator, I just switch back to English. I have to. But even then, I have to slow down a lot and be more articulate so they can actually understand me and don't think I'm an Aussie bogan speaking a whole different kind of language, you know what I mean? (laughs) So I've really got to be mindful of it. But this barrier for Marie is one of the reasons that she's resisted coming onto the podcast for so long. 
along with one of her greatest fears, public speaking, which she actually unpacks a lot in this chat and how she's worked through that. This episode was actually recorded in two sections. So you'll hear the music kick in for a few seconds partway through and then we bounce back into the second part of the chat. The first half of this episode was recorded when Marie was pregnant, four days overdue actually. We were just chilling together in Sweden and enjoying an abundance of love and connection. It was such a beautiful time together in those last few weeks of the pregnancy. And we were also enjoying a bit of freedom of kind of doing what we wanted when we wanted. A philosophy that I didn't realize was so unique compared to when you're a parent. (laughs) The second half of this chat was recorded almost five weeks after the birth of our little legend, Oliver. We obviously could have taken it in so many different directions this whole episode. We chat a little bit about our story, but as always, it was important that it was about bringing value to you legends. And as I said before, I believe that Marie certainly provides an abundance of value around personal development and human behavior and her life experiences and different perspectives. So in this episode, we discuss how Marie has taken the work ethic and grit mindset from high-performance sport into her new abundant life, the skill of focus, the power and importance of vision planning, reframing failure when you don't reach your goals. We discuss the real growth from getting outside your comfort zone physically and mentally, mindsets and strategies to help break through your fears, We discuss a little bit about pregnancy and birthing challenges. We discuss Marie's goals and strategies to regain her strength and fitness after giving birth. And we also discuss the real intensity of race walking. And we kick it off straight away talking about this. I'm abundantly proud of this girl. And it's with the beaming pride that I bring you the legend herself, my gorgeous fiance, Marie Olsen. What was your average heart rate for a 20k race walk? Well, around 190. 190 beats per minute for 20 kilometres. Yeah. Walking. Absolutely. Fast walking. <laughs> and how long did it take you to do 20k's? My PB is 137. So. One hour, 37 minutes? Yes. For a 20k race walk? Yes. With an average pulse of 190 beats per minute? Yeah. That's intense. It's pretty intense. It's an intense sport. Well, it actually is. And I think a lot of people listening wouldn't be exposed to race walking and might, you know, it's the joke I've seen people say it to you a lot of times. Oh, is that the one where your knees bend backwards or is that the one where you throw your hips <laughs> to the side? People don't really get an understanding. To be honest, I didn't either until I'd met you and started working with you and coaching you and then trying to keep up with some of your shorter sessions unsuccessfully. It's an intense sport. Looking at that time, I think it's hard for people to sort of get a really clear picture of how intense that actually is. But 190 beats per minute for an hour and 37 minutes. What kind of, how can people relate to that in terms of minutes per K? And I know you've talked about what the guys go through a marathon. Well, yeah, exactly. And I guess I can handle pretty high heartbeat as well or pulse. But to just compare a 50k race walk for men with a marathon, they go through the marathon, so 42k's in two hours and 59 minutes. So the the guy that had the world record, 
he passed that in a marathon. So all of you marathon runners out there, but you already have a lot of respect for race walkers, but <laughs> it's really good to know that we can pass a marathon or the men can pass a marathon in 2.59. Race walking, they can do a sub three-hour marathon. Yeah, which is pretty cool, I reckon. That's awesome. And what about the women? Where where are the women at for a 50K? I know that hasn't been a main event for the women, actually. They've only just brought it in. Yeah, exactly. So that was on the World Champs for the first time in 2017. And now I just saw this year that the women, the world or the record at the moment is 3.59. So they're about half an hour behind the men, but we've just got it in on the schedule for world champs. So so yeah. the women are going through in like a three, three and a half hour marathon. They'd be passing exactly. roughly just below that. Yeah, exactly. That is intense and that requires a lot of mental strength and I think you have so much to offer but one thing that I've always been amazed about is your your mental strength how talk to us about the mindset of staying focused and in the moment when your heart rate is averaging 190 beats per minute for over an hour and a half how do you what do you do to stay in the moment well to be honest that's the toughest part when you're a long distance athlete if you don't have your head it'll be really hard to keep up with your body. So when I was about 20 years old, I started to do mental strength training with my mental strength coach in Gothenburg where I lived at the moment. And that took me to the next level big times because that was my biggest struggle to keep my head in the game. Because obviously when it hurts, it's really easy to convince yourself to just not keep going or just slow down because it's obviously way more com- comfortable. <laughs> but after I started that journey with my mental strength training, it just took me to the next level and learn how you can, well, I learned how I could stay, I don't know, just push that next barrier. So instead of succumbing to your pain and slowing down a little bit, and thinking of things physically, you're able to, like what were the skills that you learned to push to that next barrier through your mental strength training? Well, one big thing for me was to visualise. So I learned how to visualise and I did goal images of how I was going to do the whole race, for example. And these goal, like I created it in my fantasy to just go through the whole race to then be able to replicate that in reality so when I was actually on that start line and during the race and all the way until I finished I knew I've done that race so many times before in my head I was really prepared on how it was gonna go yeah that whole thing about creating a visual image in your head to then be able to able to execute that in a race that was a massive massive part of my mental strength training we'll elaborate a little bit shortly on on all of this but i've said it on other podcasts before and i sat with your mental training coach gregor here in sweden in 2017 and i jokingly said to him and i think i've brought it up on the podcast a couple of times but when i started learning about mental training and neuro-linguistic programming and this new paradigm and the underlying foundation of how we operate as humans and I came home from a, a massive neuro-linguistic programming session in Newcastle and I was so proud and I sat you on the couch and I unpacked it all on the whiteboard and 
and delivered it all to you and I still remember your beautiful, cute little face looking up at me with that smile and saying, (laughs) oh, wow, so you just taught me everything in English that I've known in Swedish and been practicing for years. (laughs) Yeah, that was an awesome moment. (laughs) I loved how excited you were and just told me everything on the whiteboard and just like, oh, yeah, yep, yep, know that one, know this. That was awesome. It was so good. So then I just knew we were on the same path. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of which, before we dive in deeper, Marie Olsen, soon to be Marie Robinson, welcome (laughs) to your life of impact. Thank you. It's been a long time since I've been trying to get you onto this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, see, English is my second language and to have you interview me is very different. And I thought, yes, I do really want to be on this podcast, but with all his amazing guests, what am I going to contribute with? So, Mm. but anyway, here I am. Bit of self-doubt, bit of self-judgment coming (laughs) through there. (laughs) Need some extra mental strength training for that one. Exactly. That's why I'm putting (laughs) you under the pump. No, just kidding. You, we're sitting here in Sweden right now. As, as we talk, we're looking out. It's this beautiful Swedish spring day, the sun shining. One of those perfect days where I say there's not even a cloud in the sky, there's no wind. Yes, it's cold outside, but it's amazing. And we've enjoyed many a times here in Sweden. We met in January 2012 when you were at the Australian Institute of Sport on a training camp for your race walking. I was working there as a full-time coach and, and as a massage therapist. Just for everyone listening, it was a very professional, slow lead into our meeting, by the way. And we had an amazing couple of months together when we met each other in 2012. But when we said goodbye in April 2012, it was actually a proper goodbye. We said we didn't actually know if we'd see each other again because you were going back to Sweden to chase your race walking career and had some commitments throughout Europe. I was staying in Canberra and also traveling the world with my athletes to chase my career and and be the best coach that I could be. So we actually said, well, we don't know where or how we're going to make time for each other when we're so career-driven and and focused. And when we did say goodbye to each other, that gap was 18 months by the time we saw each other again. And I think in that 18 months, we maybe messaged or spoke two or three times. (laughs) But to to fast forward through all of our awesomeness since we rekindled in August 2013, here we are together in Sweden and this month on your birthday, I think actually on April the 27th, we'll have been together officially for five years. Yes. Best five years of my life, by the way. (laughs) Same. (laughs) And you're proudly and abundantly healthily pregnant with our first baby and not just pregnant (laughs) but right now at the time of this recording it's the 10th of april 2019 and you were due to give birth to our first baby four days ago so realistically while we're recording this podcast your water could break yeah that could potentially happen (laughs) yeah we're just baking this little bub a little bit over over, like a little bit longer than we thought but i guess that's that's normal, people <laughs> tell us. Good things take time, great things even longer. And exactly. we just, we're just trusting the process, aren't we, babe? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the reason I quickly rattled off a tiny bit of our journey over the past almost seven years is because from your perspective, a lot of the things that have happened in your life haven't just unfolded and they haven't happened coincidentally. 
you've learned how to set very clear visions in your life over kind of one to five year periods and these visions have kept you in alignment many times. So talk to us about vision planning from your experience and your perspective. How have they served you and why should listeners who aren't involved with high-performance sport, how did, why should they set clear visions in their life as well? Oh, it's such a crucial part of kind of planning your future, really. When I started doing that was because of sport, but after I finished my career in 2015, I've just continued doing that because it's so powerful to know what you want to do in the future and line that up with your values in your life to then be able to actually create your future. And I strongly believe that's a big part of who I am, but I reckon so many people will benefit from that. And as I said, I started off with my sporting career in that way, but I I was also really cautious of not only doing sport. So I did planning for my personal life, my career as a sports person, but then also outside of sports so I just know that or I just knew that after I finish my career I really need something to lean back on to just feel like I'm not gonna you're planning your transition yeah out of sport yeah in a way definitely in a way it wasn't like a plan b it was more like a bigger picture of what I want my life to be like so it wasn't like if if I fail I never thought about it in that way, definitely not. It was more like, yeah, what my life would look like in a bigger way. After you retire, for example. Yeah, for example. What's the difference between setting visions and setting goals? Well, visions, you don't have the full reality. When you have a vision, it's more like a broader picture. Let's say you have it five years ahead and you then don't have the limitation of how much money do I have? Or do I have a house or do I have this and that? You just have, you can just create from your fantasy what you want your life to look like compared to a goal where you actually, you actually set a goal from where you are right now. So you, a goal could be like a year ahead or half a year ahead, whilst the vision is further away. So it's more, it's less limited. And the visions also include more about who you need to be. And the goal is more around the process of what you need to do. Yeah, exactly. So when I have a vision five years ahead, I break that down to to goals to know, well, Marie, if this is what you want to do in five years' time, then you have to have some goals on the way to get there. Otherwise, you won't get there at all. <laughs> a vision is kind of a bigger goal, I guess, but just I love to use the word vision because it's less limited and you can dream a little bit. Speaking of five-year visions, tell us about your 2017 vision that you didn't let me read for <laughs> quite a while. Yeah, so in 2012, I wrote my vision for 2017 and that was including my personal life as well. And I kind of potentially put Brett in there. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mention by <laughs> name, but <laughs> yeah, I put in that I will visit Australia again to see what my feelings were like and yeah I had a bit of a plan around my personal life and yeah kind of the way I am is like if I have a vision or goals I'll do it 
So <laughs> kept in contact with the with the bloke and then <laughs> knew I was going to go there again to figure out. And I thought it would be really creepy if I actually realized that he's in my vision. <laughs> <laughs> we were together for a while before you told me about that and I actually read that. <laughs> but that's what made me realize how powerful, not just that little bit, but there were so many things in your vision that had unfolded. But just because we set visions and goals, it doesn't mean they'll happen. So... I know a big part of your vision was the 2016 Olympics as a race walker. Yeah, so I could have said that that's a big failure in my life because as an athlete and I wasn't... Because you didn't make the Rio Olympics. Yeah, exactly. I That was my big vision that I was going to make the Olympics 2016 and I didn't reach that and I didn't qualify instead... In 2012, when I set that goal, I had knee surgery and some other surgeries and, yeah, I've just struggled with injuries for five years. And, I mean, you can go to an Olympic with Olympics with injuries as well, but for me it was just too much and I couldn't push through and struggling a lot and but I still really, really, really wanted to do that. So I did my best in all kinds of way. I even well, I shouldn't say even, I used mental strength training so much to reach really like really big goals in my life around sport as well. But I did not reach the biggest one, which was the Olympics, and that was in my vision and yeah. Bit of a failure in a way, but I also know that I couldn't actually have made it. It was just one of those few things in my life I will use the word almost <laughs> impossible. <laughs> so, yeah. To get the qualifying time, you mean? Yeah, to get the qual- – yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't good enough and to be good enough or to be that good to reach the Olympics, you have to be on top with your body, with your head really. And just to put it into a bit of context for everyone listening – you did your first race walking competition when you were three years old. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> Don't worry, it wasn't forced uh, slavery here for everyone <laughs> listening. Marie's mum was world champion race walker in what year? Did she win the world championships? 79 and 80. 79 and 80. And Marie just absolutely idolised her mother and went walking <laughs> with her everywhere. So she was competing from an early age. So you essentially, babe, you know, from the age of three, that was your finishing goal to to finish at the Rio Olympics and then you were going to retire after that in 2016. So for you to say you weren't good enough and it was kind of like a failure, there's a lot of processed emotions and pain behind that simple statement now. Oh, 100%, definitely. Sport is cruel, that's all I can say. (laughs) (laughs) But I've, I've learned so much. I wouldn't choose any other way in my life than the the path I went down with the race walking. And just going back to what you said there before about you put everything into it, you really did because I was helping with your training at that time and as a therapist I was treating you and I remember every morning we would do at least 30 minutes of hands-on therapy before you would train and then most days we would also do treatment afterwards. Like There was a lot of work to keep your body together to go through that. But as you know, there was also a a long time of a lot of injuries before you got to that point of having so much hands-on work and and doing all the extra stuff and that full commitment in your life. But 
looking at that quote-unquote failure and your experience from that, knowing that you've done a lot of work with your mental strength training coach, Gregor, here in Sweden, plus elaborated on that, what do you take with you into life now and since retiring to help you strive to fulfill your potential? Well, first of all, I am pretty headstrong and what you just talked about with visions, as soon as I finished my race walking career, I just knew that I'm far from a nine to five, seven to four worker and it's really comfy to be an employee but I'm not a comfy person so I just wanted to create something so I took my <laughs> my head and my heart into something that I love to create stuff so I created Mudlife OCR which is an obstacle course race here in my hometown where we're sitting right now and together with a friend and when we created this thing for me it was I don't know, it's hard to say that it was I wanted to prove myself, but it was also like I want to create something and I know I can and I'm going to prove it to myself that I can create this event with, yeah, the way that I'm setting goals and having a vision of how this event would unfold. And it was really successful in this little small country town. The first year we did it, it was 200-something participants and over 2,000 people watching and it's a town of 5,000 people. So that was really, really cool. And then we did it for another two years. So that was just one of my first creations and I just felt like, yeah, I can create stuff. And I know that comes from sport, the way I'm thinking about things. And I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing, but if someone tells me, oh, I don't think you can do that or you can't do that, I'll be like, "Mm, just wait, I'll show you. (laughs) (laughs) yes that's exactly how you work (laughs) in an aligned way it's not just uh i used to say that you you lived in a dream world sometimes and then as i saw your dream world unfold into reality a lot of times i used to say can i come into your dream world (laughs) (laughs) yeah i am far from a limited person so yeah, I always, when I come up with something and I really want to do it, I'll make sure I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. And what about life training? That's a, And by the way, that event that you talked about that you ran for three years, I watched you do countless amount of hours pulling together sponsors and people to build these obstacles out in the wilderness in Sweden for this seven-kilometer obstacle course race. You were drawing up contracts and creating legal agreements that you'd never done before it was never anything that was even in your language so you really did just do what you had to do you just gritted it and with that determination of no this is going to be successful from every element every competitor will love it every spectator will love it and they did I've proudly done it twice and during the race both times I said if I tell anyone afterwards that this is fun (laughs) I'm lying because it was freaking tough (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was a pretty tough competition (laughs) and yeah so what about life training as well because you you're now moving into a different phase with being a mother that we'll talk about briefly shortly but this this concept of you wanting to fulfill your potential and and exploring the coaching aspects, not just the mental coaching. Because you've been 
you're, you're a mental training coach. You're a mental strength coach. You've been doing that for a while now, running programs. You created your own. You've helped people change their lives significantly through those programs. So talk to us now about life training and wanting to fulfill your potential and linking this physical, mental, and emotional aspect of your coaching. Yeah, well, as you mentioned, when we – about life training, we started that off in 2017, I believe, and that was because we we're going to live here for half a year for Brett to actually get to know, yeah, El Dolan, my home country town. And I thought we can't just be here just to be here. We have to do something. So that's why I came up with um, life training as a concept of physical training, kind of boot camp style, I would say, in different parts of El Dolan outdoor and in combination with um, courses in mental strength training and then with Brett's skills of of being able to treat and massage people and to have him as a, uh, <laughs> as a second coach because here I am the first coach. <laughs> and that whole concept was, was actually really successful, um, even though it was the first time we did it. And I realised that was, that was another really good way of getting people here to know me as a coach not only because in a small country town and if you do a sport and if you go pretty far you're kind of a local little famous (laughs) I shouldn't say hero but a local famous sports person say well known well respected yeah (laughs) and so I thought it's really cool that people actually know that I can coach as well and take my experience into that so after that to just continue and build off that first summer we did. We just continue. I, I continued with creating mental strength courses, which was awesome. And that was also facing my fears because one of my biggest fears is actually public speaking or standing in front of people compared to you that loves that stuff. <laughs> I That was a big fear of mine. That I faced and I grew a lot, a lot from that. How did you face that fear? Because I'll back you up there. You were shit scared of talking <laughs> in front of people, public speaking, anything like that. And here you were now creating a whole program and having to stand up and deliver that in person in front of people around this mental strength training. How did you face that fear? Well, once again, I used my own coaching on myself because I, I don't want to have a limitation in my life. And that is a big limitation if you're going to be a coach or a mental coach or standing in front of people. Sorry, if I can't stand in front of people, well, how am I going to deliver my material and how am I going to show people who I am and what I can actually teach and coach? So, yeah, I used the mental strength training on myself that I've had years and years of. So I was actually thinking, well how tough is this compared to standing on a start line in an important race? Like I had that comparison of, well, if this is a race, you just know as soon as you've started, then you're fine. As soon as that start pistol goes or whatever it is, then you're fine. So I was thinking as soon as I have the first group of people here and I just face that, I'll be sweet. So that actually develops courage, not confidence, because you still have to go, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll bring that mindset to it, but I've still got to take this courageous step and actually do it and present in front of people. 
And then it's not until you do the courageous steps a few times that that starts to build confidence. Exactly. That's exactly right. So that whole courage part, it's such a big thing. Like it's, it's not comfortable. It's obviously way out of my comfort zone. But when you actually do the things that scares you, you grow and develop and build confidence. So, yes, that's what I did. <laughs> and here I am and I'm not afraid of doing those courses again. Next step at some stage will potentially be to do it in English, which is, yeah, that's a bit scary. Well, you're already coaching <laughs> doing stuff in English. You've been running classes back at the Gold Coast a couple of times and at Elevation and, yeah, now it's just time to present the mental strength training in English too. But from my perspective, and this is good for everyone listening, that to watch you go from shit scared with a massive fear and you spoke about for years before you even knew that this was part of your vision how much you were afraid of public speaking. And then to create this and realize, well, shit, I've got to face my biggest fear now to do that. And and that transition of, okay, you brought in the mindset shift to be able to get you to that first courageous step to compare it to, you know, the start line of a major competition. But from my perspective, I watched you change as a person in those moments leading up to those first couple of mental training, mental strength training courses before people arrived. I could see the fear rose so high in you. You changed as a person. Your your energy changed. You were just processing things internally, and it just, which was beautiful. Not in a way of like you were you were super stressed, but I'd been working in high performance sport my whole career, so I know what it's like when someone's about to step into a really uncomfortable environment, like a major competition. And this was a really uncomfortable environment for you. So I just watched your whole persona and energy and language change while you were getting prepared for those days and those evenings of presenting and then I would sit and watch you present and just see none of that fear was visible for the people that were there listening and receiving your value and then afterwards in your abundance of joy and happiness and pride and gratitude it was a beautiful experience for me to sit on the outside and watch you go through that phase of growth and development by getting outside your comfort zone and just running headfirst into that fear. Well, that's what I really, I'm really passionate about coaching and teaching people that when they really understand and it's really hard to see people as well not facing their fears ever because so on the opposite, when you see people face their fears and it's painful because <laughs> it is painful. Like people just tell me, oh, that's easy for you. And I'll be like, you don't know what's easy for me. It's easy for me to race walk or it's easy for me to go for a 10K run. That's not hard. That's that's super easy. But for, to stand up in front of people, that's tough for me. And I did it. And when I see people do things that they're scared of, and you see after when they've done whatever it is, how they grow and the joy they get, you can't get the, that from anywhere else. You just, like from anywhere else, you finish a race, you, you've you had that public speaking in front of a lot of people, you get off the stage and you're just bussing because you've actually faced your fear. And that's what I really want to get people to do in everything I'm doing, if it's physical coaching or mental coaching or whatever else it is get my friends to do stuff that they didn't think they could and yeah I'm growing as a I'm growing massively as a person especially with that baby inside you 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, bit, I'm getting puffy you now when I'm talking. So, <laughs> what you've just talked about there is a few key elements of how we actually coach people to to break through fear. And one of them, like we started, is having a vision. So you created the vision of what you want to achieve. You knew that you had to face a fear. So you've used one of the skills and the strategies around comparing that to or drawing strength from the fact that you've done hard things before, like these major competitions. And then you also did create, and I know you did this for Mudlife as well, your future images of what it's going to be like when you have achieved this and when you have on the other side of the comfort zone and when you've broken through that fear and you feel that pride and that energy and you visualize yourself there. I was going, I think I just answered the question. I was going to say, what's your advice to people listening right now that probably thinking, there's there's things that I want to achieve or I know I'm not fulfilling my potential, but what do I do about it? Well, the biggest one, you've probably said this on the podcast so many times, but if you don't know your why, then it's really hard to achieve what you want to do. So if you set a goal, but you actually don't know why you're doing it, it might be someone else's that really want to run a marathon and then you thought, oh, that's cool, everyone needs to run a marathon, but you actually don't have an interest in training, long-distance training, or you actually don't even like to run, why would you have that goal? That's just silly. Like create a goal that you want to reach and that goal should come from you and no one else. So if you know really from internally, like what do you want to do and why? And how would that affect your life? That's that's just the number one key to success, I would say. It helps you keep accountability too, doesn't it, when you can keep drawing back to that? Oh, that yeah, why. exactly, 100%. And you don't want to get out of whatever you come up with. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so to wrap up for this part of the podcast, I mentioned there before a couple of times that you're heavily pregnant, you were due four days ago. And I'm, I'm so excited for this next chapter of our life and I feel like we couldn't be more prepared and talk about getting outside your comfort zone and a lot of unknown, like we've both never had kids before obviously and we're, we're going into this journey together. What's, what's been your, how has your pregnancy experience been and your journey been and what have you learned from it personally so far? Yeah, it's funny because it's almost like, oh, yeah, most women get pregnant or most women have kids. But then everyone is so individual and you hear so many different stories. And when we got pregnant, I was like, oh, I've heard about people being sick but this is terrible. Like, wow, is this what they go through? Why don't people talk about more like how terrible it could be? Because my first between weeks six and 14 was actually terrible because my life is normally <laughs> pretty, pretty awesome. And just having that, I was just more, oh, morning sickness. What, what kind of word is that? I was sick all day long <laughs> and I just – I couldn't train properly or barely because I felt sick and I was so tired so that was another limitation. I couldn't eat because I think your listeners now know that we're pretty healthy eaters and we're really passionate about that. I was eating white bread and pasta every second day or probably more 
because that was the only thing I could eat to not feel sick. <laughs> it was terrible. And anyway, so terrible start. After 14 weeks, I was fine. I could start training again. And I was so grateful for that. So grateful. So then until, I mean, yesterday I was skiing. So like... I'm still, Three days overdue and yeah. you're <laughs> So I'm still training. And when I say training, so people don't think I'm crazy, it's obviously not. An average heart rate of 190. Nah, per for sure for not. An <laughs> yeah, I'm in the gym just lifting a few weights and I'm not doing anything stupid, but just the way that I can move. I'm very, very grateful for that and not feeling sick. Well, yoga and Pilates were a big part of your oh, pregnancy journey. Definitely. Before I left, because, yeah, I had to leave Australia to fly to Sweden because we we're going to be here at week 28. So up until then, I was still walking a lot, yoga pilates, which was awesome. And when I got here to Sweden, yeah, just continue that journey and added on some gym and a bit of everything. Yeah. I arrived here a month ago, a month before the bub is due and we've been ready since I got here. <laughs> We've had a fair bit of time on our hands. We're not used to having much time on our hands because we're very, I don't like to say busy, we're very productive people and we've always had a lot to do. The last two weeks especially, I've still been running my podcast and online programs and it's taken a little bit of work but not much at all. You've still been creating life training and, and some upcoming retreats that we've got but we've found ourselves with more time on our hands than ever before yeah it has been especially as you said the last four weeks has been really different because you don't really know when the bubble will be here you need to prepare for that and then all of a sudden I'm actually feeling so good I can train I can move I'm not too tired and I'm not working properly so it's like oh okay and as soon as I have space I start to create so I can't really release it at the moment but we have some good things coming up <laughs> that I've happened to create the last few weeks. And it's really exciting, really exciting. But I'm creating stuff without having a clue about the bub to come and how that life will be and how That's, tired I will be. <laughs> I was going to say, what what's your thoughts on what we're about to be exposed to, babe? How do you feel like, and I'm talking about the immediate, like after the bub's born and in the first few weeks, what are we in for? What do you reckon? I reckon the biggest, <laughs> what I'm most scared about, and we've talked about this, is being super tired because we're so good with our sleep. So. Oh, yeah, ditto. I back you up on that. I say that to everyone. Bring on the pooey nappies and the crying and all those <laughs> challenges plus all the beauty that comes with it. But that lack of sleep and we've been monitoring our sleep and I've got a really good data of all my, my REM sleep and my deep sleep and my patterns and it's going to be amusing to see all of that monitoring change. What about apart from the lack of sleep, what are you just – what else comes to mind? What do you think – we're in for or what are you excited about what are you a massive journey like this whole journey will be amazing and I do understand that it will be a tough journey as well as an awesome unconditionally loving (laughs) journey but what I'm excited about is to see how our life will unfold with a kid and I really want this to be a loving kid that will come into our life and experience our life and be a part of our family and are kind of different in a way 
life because a lot of people, and I'm not saying that's wrong or anything, that's just how everyone is different, but they just, oh yeah, now I'm a parent and I can't do this and I can't do that and I'm super duper limited and I understand that, but that's not the way I operate and the way I'm thinking. So I hope, I really hope I'm... (laughs) I don't like to use the word right and wrong here, but I really hope I'm right here about myself that I'll bring the kid in to our life and this bub will tag along with us and do everything we do, like travel and experience the life and the the world we live. Beautifully said. I back you up there. I hope that's exactly the experience we have. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) And for everyone listening, you notice there she didn't mention the actual birth of the child at all. So what we're going to do now is call it there and we're going to come back on, babe, after at some stage after you've given birth, not to give a detailed overview of exactly what you went through, but just to talk about the experience a little bit. I think it's kind of a unique thing to happen to if we talk about it pretty freshly afterwards and um, might elaborate on a couple of other things based on everything that we've covered is there anything else that you want to say to the listeners or anything that you want to ask me not right now I will probably after but my biggest wish and I don't normally say wish but it's obviously that we'll have a healthy bub that's the biggest one right now I think it's going to be super healthy that's (laughs) why it's staying in there a little bit longer and speaking of you being a coach we're about to you're about to jump on the bike and ride beside me while I run a 10k because you're coaching me to do some running events soon. Yes, when I can't train myself, I might as well turn you into a long distance athlete. So yeah, 10k on the bike it'll be a good little session for me. And by the way, for everyone listening, it's not a road bike or anything. It's one of those cruises that allows you to sit in a very comfy position, doesn't it, babe? Exactly. All right. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the pain that you're about to initiate on me. Yay. (laughs) So, babe, here we are. We've now got a almost five-week-old baby and you've been through the whole birthing process. How do you feel? Yeah, um, I'm feeling amazing now. (laughs) I really do. This has been a journey. Five weeks I've never thought would be possible, really, (laughs) after that birth experience. (laughs) He's little Oliver. He's he's in this podcast as well. Let's talk about that birth experience. We don't have to go into heaps of detail, but we were half ready for it, I feel like, but... You know, you had an 18-hour labor and that last four hours was intense and there's not much I can do beside you, but tell us a little bit about the experience. Well, yeah, I wasn't actually nervous at all about giving birth. I thought, yeah, I understand that it's really, really hard and tough and I haven't heard anyone talk about it as it being the worst ever. (laughs) So I was kind of, I thought, mentally prepared and I thought, yeah, I used to be an athlete. I'm tough. I'll, I'll, I think this will be all right. So, yeah, the first 14 hours was okay. Definitely the th- toughest thing I've ever done. But then I thought, yeah, I don't want to go into details here, but the last little bit when you're actually supposed to push, I thought that bit was going to be maximum of an hour. So when I came to that stage, I thought, well, I'm going to – 
now I'm so prepared for this last hour. I know I can just count down. And that whole thing, as you said, took four hours. It was intense. It was the worst thing I've ever experienced. And for someone to tell me that I'm an athlete or mentally prepared or that you'll be all right, that's like, oh, this has nothing to do with being an athlete. (laughs) And yes, I was prepared for that hour, but the the three hour after that was totally out of my control or out of my, yeah, out of my preparation, really. It was full on for me. I was, you know, I was there for you. There was lots of different positions and I was just giving you cuddles and support in the way I could. But that last few hours, I watched you go purple from head to toe and heard you scream the walls down every single push for three hours straight. I thought there was something really wrong. And I was just being there encouraging you and saying well done and just being there for support. But there were some times where I'd dip my head in the middle of those screams and I was crying because I thought, shit, something is wrong here. But I didn't want you to see me crying and I'd wipe my tears away before I'd bring my head back up and say, well done, babe, stay strong. Yeah, and I have, like, that was so, so, so intense. And I guess because I wasn't nervous before and I thought I was prepared, then... I didn't really read up on or watch many birth movies or whatever else. So I think maybe that was my own fault that I wasn't really 100% prepared. But yeah, intense, intense until the last minute. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was only the last 10 minutes when they finally said, it was in the last 10 minutes where I thought, okay, this baby's actually coming out without an emergency C-section. Okay, maybe everything is okay. Because they kept saying it's fine, just keep working through it. But just seeing you in so much pain and still giving all of that effort, I just thought, no, it's it's not coming out naturally. This is going to be a cesarean. But it wasn't until the last 10 minutes when they said, here's his head, you're doing well, keep going, that I thought, okay, this is going to happen. Okay, here we go. And yeah, I mean, we don't have to talk about it a lot, but you know, this is the first time I've looked at you and, and gone through this again. But how amazing was it when... He was first put on your chest and there he was, just our little creation. Ah, unreal, unreal. And I guess every mother out there would know this experience and father, hopefully. (laughs) Yeah, it was just unreal. A feeling I've never felt before. The emotions that just came when he came up on my chest and there he was, a, a fully healthy bub that was crying. I could not believe it. I was like oh, I actually have hands and toes and, oh, my God, he's alive. (laughs) It's unreal. (laughs) So many tears of joy between us. How do you feel about your lifestyle now? So we're almost five weeks into this little epic journey with this little legend and obviously there's so so many phases that we'll go through, but how do you feel about your lifestyle right now? Well, it's totally different. So, so different. And to be honest, sometimes I complained a little bit during my pregnancy and I know I had a pretty good pregnancy and I could train and I did my walks and gym sessions and everything that I could do. And I thought, oh, this is hard. I can't wait to to have a little bub here to be able to smash out training sessions. and, (laughs) And yeah, it would be so awesome. And yes, it is awesome. But I thought pregnancy was tough. This is next level. <laughs> He's so good, but it's still like to adjust our lifestyle is, yeah, massive, massive change. And I'm back into training now, so I'm feeling amazing. Obviously, the training I can do, it's not 
much just yet, but I still feel like, oh my God, I can train without a big, big belly. That's awesome. It's just a little belly now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've had a lot of people say to us that life is about to change forever. Say goodbye to freedom, etc., etc. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I'm in two minds there because I've always said I'm bringing kids or a kid into this world and I want them to be a part of our life and not the opposite. So right now it's it's really hard because it's only five weeks and it will take a fair bit longer, I'm assuming, before we have that more of a freedom to, to be able to do whatever we want with him and to bring him on different journeys and adventures and everything. But yeah, so right now it's a bit tough. But I'll, I will make sure because in my vision, and I'm a <laughs> visionary person, I know we'll take him everywhere and I don't want to be limited. Obviously, it, it's different, but I don't want to be limited by having this awesome little <laughs> angel with us. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like you said with the visions and creating the life you want, right? Of course, life will be different. And we welcome that with open arms. That's why we chose to have children. You and I have also spoken very openly about the fact that, of course, we live to be the best parents we can be, but firstly, we are ourselves, then we're a couple, and then we're parents. And what I mean by that is that it's so important that we're both pursuing our dreams and visions and we support each other in that way and and support each other of fulfilling our potential as individuals. Then we're always growing as a couple and ensuring that we're nourishing the amazing love and joy and happiness and connectedness that we have and working through the challenges that arise, of course. But then then after that, then we're parents. And because we're always working on being the best version of ourselves and it's always a work in progress, it's then that we can be the best parents because we're great role models and living from more of our happy emotions and our true authentic selves. What else could I add to that? That's like <laughs> spot on. So like to put ourselves first in a way, obviously all his needs will go first, but then to put ourselves to, for example, for me, it's really, really important for me to get back into shape and it's actually not about looking good. Hang on, that's a little bit of a lie actually because we're getting married in November and I do want to look good. <laughs> Babe, you look absolutely <laughs> stunning. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I do want to look good but it's really important for me to get back into that feeling of feeling fit and be able to do my training session and I do love to run, for example, and to be able to smash out those speed sessions and to get that high after a run and like good training sessions is so important for me because then I can come back home and be the best mom I can be uh, without feeling that I've been sitting around on the couch or whatever else, breastfeeding, which is awesome. But if I did that all day without any breaks, that would be that would actually kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just talk about, elaborate just a little bit on that training aspect because you're also a coach and you coach other people and we're working together to help you get back to proper training and you've started doing a little bit of strength. But talk to us about some of the foundational work that you're doing because I know that we got our good friend Chrissy, her book, and you've been doing some really good work with that and then also some of the other stuff that you're just easing into to make sure you lay those foundations before you get back into the, the heavier training. Yes, I'm not an elite athlete and ha hasn't been for years. It's not about getting back to fitness or being really well trained as fast as possible. It's more about 
being able to have a really strong body without any injuries. So, yeah, our good friend Chrissy and her book, A Happy Hoha. Hoo-ha. <laughs> hoo-ha. <laughs> that was happy the sweet- hoo-ha. That was the Swedish yeah, <laughs> version. What's a hoha, babe? Uh, <laughs> not sure. Is I it? know what a hoo-ha is. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, this is our life. <laughs> anyway, it's happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's happy anyway. And to read her book and another training book on the pelvic floor and doing all those exercises every day is so important for me to then be able to run, for example, faster and all these kind of Pilates movements I'm doing as well feels really, really important for me to to strengthen my body before I can go into full-on exercises. What's your – what are you missing the most at the moment – in life? In life, it is what I just said, to be able to smash myself in a good, good training session and not be worried about, oh, is, will my pelvic floor be all right? Will, uh, yeah, my internal, will they stay there? <laughs> Etc. So, yeah, I can't wait to do those really hard training sessions. That's actually what I miss the most. Beautiful. I can't wait to be there by your side and support you through that. Now, there's a few – actually, is there anything else you want to elaborate on any of that before we ask the questions and wrap up? I mean, you and I could talk about this for ages and sort of throwing it out there to the listeners to say if you want to hear more from my gorgeous fiance, who will be my gorgeous wife in November this year, uh, let us know and we can cover some topics. Anything that comes to mind for you, babe? Not really, but I'm happy to share my journey with you on our like all our our websites and Instagram and all the social media because I think it's I get motivated by sharing stuff sometimes as well because I'm now, as you said, a coach as well. Finally got my PT certification and everything, so I can now work more than just I shouldn't say just, but more than just group classes and stuff like that. And yeah, to be able to share stuff with other people and to get inspired by other coaches and I'll make sure I have some great mentors on my journey. Speaking of inspiration and motivation, and you mentioned there that you do get it from social media and other people, what is it that does inspire you or motivate you the most? Like what is it that you're drawn to? Is it is it other mums now coming through this same process? Is it business people? Is it is it friends? What is it that motivates you or inspires you the most to, to take action in your life? Yeah, good question. So first of all, only follow the people that you actually want to want to follow. <laughs> really important. But definitely at the moment, it's mums. And I do get really inspired by mums that has been fit before as well to see their journey to get their fitness back. And I get really motivated when I see those mums that are actually getting fit really quickly in a healthy way, I should say, because some people just like, oh, yeah, you're lucky with your genes or, yeah, you were skinny or you were well-trained before. But to actually get back into shape after this, and I've chatted to mums about this as well, it's like, do you know what? We did train. We put a lot of time and effort in before. So it's not like we're lucky or have good genes. It's about... We actually put the time and prioritize the the training before we got pregnant, during the pregnancy, and now to get back in, it's not like we're just happily breastfeeding without doing any exercise. It's like we're actually putting a lot of time into it, and that's why it's so motivating to see other mums as well getting fit 
again. And it's not just fitness, it's the, the eating aspect and it's the quality of life, it's the emotional navigation that you work on, it's the all the key elements to life. But speaking of being inspired by and having female role models and mums, your mum is one of those examples where she's always been fit, always been healthy and through after her three births she's done got back into training and continually eaten healthy her whole her whole life so she's got there's a really inspiring role model for you right oh yeah definitely that's how I grew up and mum turning 65 this year and she called me every now and then she's still working but she called me now and then and like oh yeah I just did a, a speed session here and I did for example, five times 1K, heel session. It's like, oh, good <laughs> on you, mum. <laughs> Obviously, she's not pushing super duper hard. Well, actually, I don't know. Maybe oh, she does. <laughs> I might be wrong here, actually. <laughs> I've trained with your mum and she does our life training boot camps and done uh, long runs and hill sprints and everything with her. She she pushes hard. <laughs> yeah, actually, that was that was not correct of me. <laughs> yeah. No, so that's a, that's a big, big role model. Yeah, definitely. But I've also been berry picking with her and been for cruisy walks. And, you know, she lives a very active lifestyle. So it's not just about pushing herself hard. Now, there's a few questions that I do ask all my guests. And I've never actually asked you this one before. So I'm intrigued to hear this. I think I know the answer anyway. But what do you believe is good action for people to take to be more impactful in their lives and in their communities? Yeah, we've definitely talked about this. And I I potentially mentioned it when I was pregnant as well. But I'm a big vision person or visionary and I always create my visions in to the future so I know how to set my goals so for for me not to have goals and visions that's like I'm just I won't reach anything or I just feel like everything will just take way longer than it should so for people to create their vision it might be a bit of work might take a bit of effort but when you have create your vision that's when, <laughs> easy for me to say, but that's when life actually starts. We definitely spoke a lot about visions in that first aspect when you were pregnant or maybe you had the pregnant brain and you don't remember anything about that episode, but it was a lot about the visions. And now I have the <laughs> breastfeeding brain, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, visions for sure. Like if people create a vision, yeah, that's my biggest advice for everyone. Love it. Two-part question, where can the listeners follow you online and how can I and the listeners help you on your journey? Well, it's it's you and I, babe. So we're on the Life for Excellence Instagram and Facebook page, as well as the yourlifeofimpact.com website. So if people want to follow us, I'd love for people to follow us, and especially now on this journey. And we promise we won't plaster the whole Instagram with baby pictures. We <laughs> will give you some good training updates and other things that we're doing in the community doing we're running different events unfortunately I shouldn't say unfortunately but sometimes it's in Swedish so I might not share everything on life and then I might share more on my personal which is Marie Olsen one on Instagram and then just Marie Olsen on on my Facebook my private Facebook but I think that if people want to follow us on life for excellence that would be amazing and give us some feedback sometimes and yeah let us know what you want to see more of it's where we share how we're living intentionally so babe you know that i give all my guests a gift for giving their time and value on the podcast and it wouldn't be right if i didn't do that for you and (laughs) 
It's funny with gift giving in our relationship because you and I rarely give each other physical gifts. We're always giving each other the gift of big belly laughs, lots of love and joy and connectedness. That's a gift in itself. And we're always... Sorry, we've just given each other the gift of this little legend that's hanging off the front of me in the baby burn right now. And we're gifting each other a, a wedding at the end of the year. So I thought we, we also, in a gift-giving way or a giving way, we, we, we do more around travel experiences or weekend getaways and things like that when we're at home. So I thought, what would be better than organizing a camping trip? So my gift to you is I'm organizing a camping trip for the three of us when we get back to Australia. That's hilarious. Yeah, we'll keep you all updated on this because one of the things that Brett said when when we first met, he's like, yeah, I love to camp and uh, we're definitely going on a lot of camping trips. And uh, I can tell you now that hasn't, oh, except for South America, uh, when we did the Inca Trail, we ha- ha- haven't actually been camping at all. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one, especially now with the bub. Well, I wasn't, I, wasn't, wait. I wasn't lying to you. I grew up camping a lot growing up out in the bush, but, yeah, we just – Yeah, uh, I was like, oh, awesome, cool. I love to camp. That's awesome. See, so I lured ha- you in. Yeah, it hasn't happened for five years, so we'll see now. So my gift to you, I promise you a camping trip within the Yay. first month when we get home. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to say to the listeners or anything you would like to ask me? Um, not sh- 100% sure here, but maybe what is your mindset when you're actually leaving the two of us tomorrow? Tell us about that for a second. To go back to Australia? Yes. Yeah, it's funny. I, I did a little video on this just yesterday as well, but you know, I stepped into fatherhood with the words that I'm following that I will be present and involved and I explained that on one of the previous podcasts, what that actually mean means to me and to us. But here I am I'm, tomorrow, I'm about to leave you in Sweden. I'm going back to Australia for three weeks and then I come back here. So it wasn't, it's not the most present and involved I can be, but my mindset is that it goes back to the visions that you spoke about. You and I created our life visions years ago and we're still in alignment with that and we always check in with that. And we've we've created our lifestyle and our our business to be able to nourish some amazing relationships and opportunities that I'm going back to Australia for because we're looking beyond that where then that sets up a life where you, me and Ollie can actually spend a lot more quality time together during the week and on the weekends and and for life moving forward. So my mindset is that I'm really sad to be leaving you guys for three weeks but I'm not getting hung up on the sadness and I just bring my focus mindset back to the it's actually for you and for Oliver and for us and our beautiful visions and our, our future together. Thank you. I just needed to hear that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm prepared for tomorrow. But we decided it together and I think it would be awesome for us that you're going. Marie, you're a legend. You're an inspiring role model to people on how we really can create our futures You're a gorgeous girl inside and out, and your empathetic energy is highly infectious. You're not just the greatest gift that I've ever received, but you're also the best role model our little Oliver could ever ask for. Your full potential awaits you, and I'm fucking excited to watch you boom and flourish beyond your biggest visions. Thank you for being the rock in my life. Thank you for keeping me grounded at times, but most of the time, 
pushing me to get way outside my comfort zones more often. You truly are my best mate and my soulmate. Keep shining your gorgeous and impactful light to the world, my girl. Oh, thank you, Elsling. I love you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Come here and give me a kiss. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So much pride just oozes from me towards my gorgeous girl. I know I'm biased, but I'm sure you took some value from this special human. It's so funny because about an hour after we recorded this episode, Marie said, huh, when you asked me what I miss most, I can't believe I didn't say sleep. <laughs> we had a big laugh about it and then she said, I definitely miss that more than my training. I need sleep so I can train. <laughs> ah, sleep. I remember those days. <laughs> Babe, I know you're listening to this, but I didn't tell you the real reason I'm leaving you and Oliver for three weeks to help create our visions and abundant loving life is so I can catch up on sleep. (laughs) So I can remain the optimistic lover of life that you fell in love with. (laughs) Just jokes, girl. So for everyone listening, please do let us know what you thought of this episode. And if you'd like to hear more from Marie again or hear from the two of us discussing how we navigate relationship challenges and life and remain as congruent as possible to our visions, values, purpose, and missions. Also, don't forget you can join us in the private Facebook group where we'll interact and provide extra value and random giveaways. So you can find that by searching the group section on Facebook for Your Life of Impact podcast community. Thank you all again for giving your time to hear from The Rock in my life and Sweden's greatest creation. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.